Hey, thanks for joining the Overcoming Monday podcast where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to help enhance your emotional and spiritual health. And our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Our host is Shari King, and she is a writer, a speaker, a mom, and a pastor's wife. That's me. I'm the pastor she's married to. She's my wife, and she's so cute, and I'm crazy about her. Hey, we are so excited about this season of Overcoming Monday. As we go into the Christmas season, we're looking at the person of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. So we're titling this Jesus According to the Gospels. And we're also going to look at Jesus according to the book of Acts. The cool thing about this season is our special guest. His name is Dr. Robert Canoy, and he is the dean of the School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University. Shari and I love this man. He was my professor in seminary. Shari and I went to Israel for the first time together with Dr. Kanoy, and I traveled to Greece and Turkey with him uh, in 2002. He is a great scholar. He's also a man that loves the scriptures and loves Jesus. And uh, speaking of Gardner-Webb University, before we get into this conversation, I want to let you know, we're going to be going back to Gardner-Webb University this summer for Crossroads Summer Camps. That's where Dr. Kanoy teaches, and that's where Crossroads started. We've got one week of summer camp at Gardner-Webb this summer, in addition to the six weeks at Anderson. It's the last week of July, and if you'd be interested in bringing your students, just go to crossroadsummercamp.com. Dr. Kanoy also gave Shari and I the, our first taste of Israel. And speaking of Israel, Shari is leading a trip for women only with Sharon Miller. And that trip is gonna be happening May the 8th through the 15th. May 8th through the 15th, ladies only, Listen, men, if you're listening, get your wife this trip. Ladies, if you're listening, ask your husband to go ahead and put these dates on the calendar. And you can find out more information about this trip to Israel by going to faithbasedexpeditions.com. Very simple, faithbasedexpeditions.com, where you can join Shari in Israel May the 8th through the 15th. Now let's get started with our conversation about Jesus according to the Gospels. So Overcoming Monday listeners, I hope you're ready to buckle up and listen to this next episode where we are actually talking about the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we are talking specifically about how G Mark saw Jesus, his perspective on Jesus, his, um, his teachings, his personality, but specifically what was he trying to tell his audience? What was he trying to bring out about Jesus's character and in the narrative of the Christmas story, since that's the season that we're in. So my friend and professor, Dr. Kanoy, is now here with us. Dr. Kanoy, will you just start with telling us, um, what are some specific ways that you think that Mark brings out Jesus's personality, his calling? What is the like main idea that Mark has in, um, in communicating Jesus to his audience? Great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, let me let me begin by saying, uh, remember, the Gospel of Mark does not begin with Jesus' birth. There's no Christmas story in the Gospel of Mark, <laughs> although there is a story, yes. and it's a, it's a powerful story and a fascinating story. In fact, the way that Gospel actually begins, uh, just again, five little Greek words again, archi to Evangelu Jesu Christu, that is the beginning of the gospel or the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. So when you hear this word beginning, it sounds a lot like the way Matthew began, the beginning of the 
genealogy or of the story of Jesus Christ. This mm-hmm. one begins similarly. Now, you, you would find that fascinating. I do, at least, that he would begin uh, with, with Mark. And again, we don't know exactly which Mark this is. Is it John Mark, who once upon a time traveled with Paul? We don't know that. Uh, we don't think that's who he was. This is a different Mark. Nevertheless, uh, we do know that this probably was the earliest of the Gospels written because it does not make any direct references to the destruction of you know Jerusalem. So we know it probably was written sometime, 64, 65, you know, with the drumbeats of war, you know, sounding all around, but, but which is which is neither here nor there in terms of what this gospel necessarily is trying to do, but it is important to kind of put it in some kind of context here. So he chooses, does this gospel writer, to, to be inspired as he is, to, to begin the gospel of Jesus Christ with his baptism. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't surprise us, or it shouldn't, because most every one of us, when we rightly understand what the beginning or the entry point of our faith story is, it is with baptism. Mm. So isn't that fascinating that this particular writer, uh, inspired as he is, maybe he knew Matthew. Well, we know he did not know, quote, the Gospel of Matthew, because the Gospel of Matthew was written after Mark. So if Mark is the first of the Gospels written, he had nothing uh, upon which to build or to connect in any way. Matthew undoubtedly knew something about Mark, and he would, you know, he would use bits and pieces of that story, although he would, again, inspired as he was, emphasize things slightly differently. Well, Mark is emphasizing something quite unique, and it is, of course, the smallest, the the briefest of all the Gospels. It's only 16 chapters, 8, 9 verses, unless one reads the extended uh, conclusion of the Gospel of Mark, which is beyond this conversation for us this morning. Mm-hmm. But 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 this is this is about the beginning of the gospel, and uh, again I, I I come back around to this theme uh, because John the Baptist is the first character who's mentioned who's preparing the way for Jesus, and baptism of course is the preparatory stage in all of our lives for understanding who Jesus is and what the gospel really is all about, and the way Mark you know uh, sets this whole scene up. Um, once he, uh, once we, when we first meet Jesus in the gospel, we we meet him when he comes to the waters of baptism to be baptized by John in the Jordan River, and what what, what is beautiful about the, about the the text um, as uh, as Mark is unpacking it for us is that what we hear is again very very crisp, very sharp statements, not much commentary, just to the point that immediately when Jesus comes up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove, and a voice says, you are my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Yes. Now, I hope every person, uh, even as the Christmas season is upon us, realizes that Jesus came for an express purpose to redeem us. And when Jesus comes to redeem us, he, he saves us. And when he saves us, the first thing we do is we enter the waters of baptism. And I hope, you, I hope you heard it. And I hope if you didn't hear it then that you're hearing it now in retrospect. You are my beloved child. Yes. That, that's, that's the key. Is that when we take that, that step of faith and when we trust God and when we accept him into our lives, the first thing he wants to say to you is, well done. Mm-hmm. You are my beloved. I am well pleased. And he will never be more well pleased with any of us than in that moment. Mm. 
Yeah, I th- I think that's one thing that I had a hard time believing. And so whenever I hear those words, um, almost just, it's, it's like God couldn't wait but to announce to the world, mm. you know, this is the time now where I'm gonna let you know, this is my son and I love him. I've, and you know, he had already probably been telling Jesus this um, before this time, you know, Jesus knew who he was, but this is the time when God says, hey guys, you need to look at him. This is my son and he's gonna do this great thing. He is, he is committed to obeying me. He is committed to loving you well and he will complete and perfect this work and you will benefit from it. And it was just, I just feel like there was so much like mm-hmm. anticipation in that moment. That's why the heavens had to crack open, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and in, intriguing about this is, as, as wonderful as that moment was, this, this wow, well pleased, and we hear that voice from God say that about Jesus, and we hear that voice from God say that about us when we've made our commitment. Mark cuts right to the chase. Mm-hmm. Immediately, he drives him into the wilderness. Yep. Now, wait, wait now, God. <laughs> that, that, that's how this works. So yeah. you, you redeem me, you're pleased with me, and immediately upon what? Upon my profession of faith, I am in the wilderness. Mm. Well, guess what? That's our story. Mm. It's always been God's people's story. Um, the image I would use would be this. Look, prior to Jesus having redeemed us, prior to his having declared, I am well pleased, guess what? Our allegiance was to somebody else. Mm. And the other somebody else to whom you know we had made our commitment, our life story, the forces of evil, uh, well, guess what? Now that we have uh, switched allegiances to Jesus, um, the forces of evil are none too happy. Mm. And no sooner have we made this commitment to Christ and the moment is so wonderful and awesome and we feel this sense of completeness and wholeness for the first time in our lives, well, guess what? Brace yourselves because the challenges are coming. The wilderness moments are out there. This is our life. And he does not want to leave anything to the imagination. He just tells us, look, if it happened to Jesus... You can be sure it's going to be part of your story, too. Mm. But remember, uh, don't forget Matthew. I'm with you. So if I'm with you, you're going to be able to what? You're going to be able to manage in these wilderness moments um, of, of your life. And it's, a, it's, a, it's just a beautiful way of, of putting this thing together. I remember when my own sons were baptized, I told them everyone in the waters of baptism, this is a wonderful, beautiful day, but you, you be prepared. Moving forward, life can get very interesting for you. It can be very tough for you. Mm. God loves you. He's with you. Your church family is with you here. You need this place. You need these people. They they will support you and they will encourage you because it's a wilderness out there. It's tough mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you have any opinion? I know that you said that you, uh, you know, that Mark began his gospel with the um, baptism of Jesus, that's where he, um, that's where we all find our new life. Not necessarily Jesus had to be baptized for that, but that we do. Um, do you have any opinion or um, theory as to why Mark did not start with, you know, the coming of Christ into the world? Yes, because because Mark wants to get right to the main point here. Mm-hmm. 
that as important as it is that Jesus was born, that he lived, etc., as important as all that is, what really is, is most important for Mark is I need to get right to it, mm-hmm. namely that he is going to be calling people, and he answered that call in his life as a 30-year-old man. And once he answered that call, God was pleased and guess what? The rest of the story is he's going to be calling other people too. Mm. And so Mark just gets right to it. Because, you know, sooner than you know, conclude the baptismal scene here and him going into the wilderness for the temptation about which we hear nothing, uh, he's, he starts calling people. Yeah. They don't know anything about this baptism that's happened. They've not, they weren't there. That baptism yeah. happened 50 miles away. <laughs> They're in another place. And Jesus is just walking along the seashore and he sees these four fishermen out there, and he calls them, and they just get up and leave. <laughs> well, yeah. that's the way the Gospel of Mark works. Bang, bang, bang. Jesus shows up. Stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the action gospel writer, the mm-hmm. get-to-the-point gospel writer. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, uh, we all have different personalities. You have the um, artists, uh, writers, worship leaders, and uh you know, I don't know. I put myself a little bit in that category because just pondering and getting into all the like feely details of everything. I don't think that's who Mark was. Mark was probably just the guy who sat down at the table and said, what's this meeting about? Okay, let's get to it. And then just said, can we pay our bill now? Let's go. You know, he wasn't for necessarily niceties. It wasn't that he wasn't nice. He just probably wasn't your um, Southern hospitality guy, you know? That's true. That's true. Yeah, and you know one of the one of uh, Mark's favorite words is a Greek word that, that we translate immediately. Immediately, I mean, yeah. Bang! Immediately, immediately, immediately. He's just always popping from event to event and scene to scene and place to place. Mm-hmm. And Mark, moreover, does another fascinating thing. Uh, he uses what someone a long time ago, uh, Vreda, the German uh, scholar, identified as the messianic secret. And mm-hmm. what 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 happens in the Gospel of Mark is. Jesus does these really powerful and fascinating things. He does a miracle here and one there and touches this person here. And then he says, but I don't want you to tell anybody. Yeah. That is so strange, we would say. That is so odd. Why would he say, but don't you breathe a word of this to anybody? Well, in part, it's tied to another key theme in the gospel, namely, and here's the word that most of us dread ever hearing. Are you ready for the word? Yes. Obedience. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, don't say that word. I have to be obedient, mm-hmm. which means I have to what? I have to put push back my own preferences, my own wishes, my own desires. I got to obey somebody? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what the Gospel of Mark is all about. It's about being obedient. And, of course, the first act of obedience is get in those waters, get baptized, be obedient, get ready for the tr- challenges that are coming. Mm-hmm. I want you to be obedient. For which reason, I have little doubt that when uh, Mark is telling the Jesus story and he's constantly telling persons, particularly his disciples, that don't you talk about this to anybody, he's testing their obedience. Wow, I never thought and with, that. And without fail, these rascals, <laughs> and that's who they are, because yeah. in the Gospel of Mark, all of our disciples, they never get it right. In fact, read the Gospel of Mark, and if you find the disciples saying do this, you go the other direction. Yeah. 
And it's fascinating that we hear this story told this way, and, and I think for good reason. Sometimes we, as Jesus followers, we are spot on, get it right every time. But sometimes we're not. So somebody would ask, well, which one of these stories is the right story here? Which one has got the true picture of who Jesus really is? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because sometimes we are the best followers of Jesus ever. Sometimes we're letting God be with us like Matthew has taught us. But sometimes we're just like these bumbling disciples. We don't get it. We hear him say something to us. We think we know better what should happen. And we, okay, go ahead and say it. We disobey. And we know what that's about. And so Mark is all about keep this quiet until it's time not to keep it quiet. Yeah. And there is a right time and a right place and a right moment for everything. And some Christians, bless their hearts, don't know when it's time to hush sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't know when they should be talking. Mm-hmm. And I think our world is hungry to hear you know, authentic Christians n- know when to speak and when not to speak and not get trapped in all this political hullabaloo that's going on that has really put the church in a very bad light. Mm. Sorry if I went into a political No, you're good. But I also kind of I also kind of wonder, you know, because they were human and I think each of us learn things different ways. You have Mark writing from a perspective of obedience and perhaps that was one thing he struggled with the most. And it may, maybe it was the one thing that, I mean, we don't know this for sure, but it, maybe it was the one thing that he was able to learn the most from God because he had to learn obedience and, so deeply. And so when he was looking at the story of Christ, he felt like that was significant, like a very significant thing to talk about is us learning how to obey and the disciples learning how to obey and the consequences of not obeying. And I mean, who knows? It's just yeah. worth You might be making a case for John Mark after all. Remember, he disobeyed and left Paul. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that true. was accidental. I don't know. Maybe. I yeah. mean, who knows? I don't. Yeah. That's yeah. just a thought. But right. I know that as a writer, sometimes when I go back and I read some of the stuff that I've written, I'm like, wow, that has. I have a theme in my life of learning things certain ways and gravitating towards certain. Uh, overcoming that's just part of who I am but I think it's because of it's part of my story and it's not going to be necessarily the part of someone else's story quite as much right Um, right. so what what would be I think and uh, you just took a breath but I was going to ask you a question and so you can say whatever you're going to say and then answer this question Um, what would you say the biggest takeaway as far as Mark's perspective about who Jesus is is and um, the picture yeah. he was trying to present of Jesus's character to us would be. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's contained as well in another style in which Mark has chosen to write this gospel. And namely, uh, those of you who know anything about the gospel of Mark may or may not have heard this expression before. The technical word is intercalation, but all that means is sandwich. Hmm. Mark is famous for what are called the Markin sandwiches. Now, what is a sandwich? It has a piece of bread on this side, a piece of bread on this side, has a, has meat in the middle. A Markin sandwich, and what and how Mark chooses to tell Jesus' story is, he begins a story, interrupts the story that he began, and then concludes the story that he initially began. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Now, that seems odd on the one hand, but it's quite a gift to write this way because if I begin telling you a story and then I interrupt that story with another story, you're going to keep hanging around and listening until you hear what happened with the first story. Well, that's literary, but watch Mark's Christology and Mark's theology in this. Let's take the classic example of a man named Jairus in the fifth chapter of Mark whose little daughter is at the point of death. Mm-hmm. I love and this he, story. It, I'm so it, excited. It, it, it is just an awesome story. So mm-hmm. what does he do? He, he's run out of all options, and he goes to get Jesus, and Jesus is on the way to help his daughter who's at the point of death. And lo and behold, he gets interrupted. Jesus gets interrupted because there's a woman who has had an issue of blood for 12 years irony of all ironies, the little girl in the story? 12 years old. She's 12 years old. So as long as the little girl has been alive, this other woman has been dead because of her issue of blood. Mm-hmm. She's socially dead. You, you know, all of that that's implied is, is clearly present here. Um, and uh, by the way, sorry, just, just a quick footnote here. There is, there is the ch- Church of Mary Magdala, that has recently been opened and excavation work done on the Sea of Galilee at Magdala. And there is a church right there, and there's a powerful piece of art that's inside that church of this woman who has been uh, who has been redeemed here, if you've not been there. Uh-huh. I had not been until my last trip, and it's just a profound piece. Anyway, that's just to throw out the... Uh, for the next time you go and you take yes. a group, then make sure you take them there and take them inside that chapel because it's the wo- it's a woman's chapel. It's all of the women that are there. It's fat, wow. it's powerful, it's beautiful. Well, the next trip I'm taking is in May, and it's a women's oh, trip. Well, you have to go then. Yes. You go in there. I'm telling you, there won't be a dry eye left on the group, and you can just pack up and come back home after that trip. There. <laughs> okay. So so anyway, so here's this so here's this woman. Um, uh, and and she interrupts Jesus, who is on his way to help uh, Jairus's daughter. Now I don't know about you, but look, if I'm Jairus, I can tell you straight up what I'm telling the disciples. Hey, fellas, I got to him first. She's got to wait her turn. I got a little girl here who who needs help. But the way uh, Mark's Christology works is, and and here's the profundity of it for me. Your life and my life is really all about our interruptions. Mm. It's, it's not, our lives are not when things, and, and ask yourself the question, you had your plans once upon a time, didn't you? <laughs> yes. You, you were going somewhere and you knew what they were, but something happened. Your plans got interrupted. And, beca- and some people think because their plans got interrupted, their life is over. They could have been something if what? If their plan had not gotten interrupted. Mm. Well, look. What this gospel is telling us is life is an interruption. And guess what's happening right now in our world? COVID-19 has interrupted us. Yes. And and God (laughs) is saying, look, folks, what are you going to do with this interruption here? I want to know what my people are going to do with this interruption. Mm -hmm. Are you going to panic? Are you going to throw in the towel? Are you going to quit? Are you going to whine? What are you going to do? Yeah. I think we know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be more faithful, more loving during these moments than we've ever been in our lives. Mm-hmm. And this powerful story illustrates this, that 
again, it along with all the other stories uh, of interruption, just simply put forward that that Christ knows, Jesus knows that life is filled with uncertainty, unexpected events, some we do to ourselves, some others have done to us. But look, find God in the interruption because he's there right in the middle of it. So good. I, Yeah, I just, you know, it depends on which gospel I'm talking about. I think this one's my favorite. But then I thought Matthew was my favorite when I was talking about Matthew. But, but Mark just does this yeah. in the most profound way, of course, um, uh, with these the interruptions here. And I love that in the interruption, you have this woman who just felt like she had no one else to turn to, um, has faith, um, is healed. And then in that moment, Jesus interrupts because he could he could have just let her be healed and like sneak away and then gotten on and gone to heal the 12 year old daughter. But instead, he stops everyone. And he's like, who just took power from me? He mm-hmm. stops that moment, and I'm sure Jarius at that time is like, okay, so can we get on with this thing? I yeah. mean, if you were going to heal her, great, but, like, can we move on because my daughter's dying, <laughs> you right, know? Right, right, Instead, Jesus takes the time in that moment yeah. to allow that woman to speak up and to say that she was healed, and Jesus declares her healing in that moment, and I think she needed it, or Jesus wouldn't have done it. You know, she needed in that moment in front of everyone and from Jesus to be called daughter and to be called healed. And and so and notice what what she does, you know, to receive this. uh She touches the fringe of his of his robe. And if now go back to the Ruth story, what Mm -hmm. does she do? She goes and lays beneath the fringe of Boaz's garments and says, I am under your authority now. Hmm. This woman, in reaching out to get Jesus' robe, says, I'm placing myself under your authority now. Whatever you want to do with me, I'm good with it. Mm. It's good. So obey. (laughs) Obey Obey the authority. Back to obedience and then talking about interruptions. So I think in now in both... If you've listened to the last podcast that we had with Matthew, that God is with you. Um, And then Mark's talking about going into desert places. Um, He's talking about interruptions. And I think we could say that from what we've learned from Matthew and Jesus is that God is with us in those things. But then from Mark, that we need to learn how to obey and listen and allow those interruptions to be something that draws us closer to Jesus and to be under his authority rather than us running away, which is very often and taking control of our lives as if we even can take control of our lives. But, you know, that's another. and, (laughs) and, And not pout this Christmas because our Christmas got interrupted. Oh, gosh. That's a good one. Okay. He pulled it in, guys. He pulled it in right there. That is the Christmas message. Do not pout. Because even in the interruptions, God is still in authority. He is in power. Like, we are going to be okay. And going to use us to do some awesome things for somebody else in the interruption. Yeah. um, Yeah. yeah, There's just so many things that we could be doing if we want to, like, change our mentality as to what Christmas really is right now. What can we be doing for other people right now to bring them joy in a time when they, might not, they may not have Jesus and may not know how to access that? 
So, all right. So our next podcast is going to be on which book are you choosing, Dr. Kanoy? Oh, well, you have to do John because we're doing Luke last. Yes. All right. So in our next podcast that we will be releasing on Overcoming Monday next week, we will be talking about John in the very same way. We will be talking about how Jesus, how John portrayed Jesus in his gospel, how that relates to Christmas, and kind of how we can learn from that. From my friend, Dr. Kanoy, thank you so much for being here today, and we'll talk to you next week. I really hope that this episode has helped you see Jesus a little more clearly and understand more of the context of his life, his work, his death, his resurrection, and ultimately his lordship. Hey, we wanted to invite you to pray about joining Shari and myself on a trip to Greece and Turkey, one of our favorite places we've ever been on planet Earth, as we retrace the steps of the Apostle Paul, as well as some of the places where John visited. We get to go to the island of Patmos, we get to visit the cave where John wrote the book of Revelation. We get to stand in front of the library of Ephesus, one of the uh, most well-preserved ancient ruins from antiquity. We get to stand on the top of the Acropolis in Athens, Greece, and we get to see where Paul preached the gospel to the Areopagus at Mars Hill. It's just the trip of a lifetime. Shari and I will be leading this trip, so if you're interested in going, the dates are September the 20th through October the 8th. That's September the 20th through October the 8th. And you can find out more information by going to ClaytonKing.com. Hey, this podcast is because of you. It exists to help you, but you make it happen. So there are three ways that you can help us reach more people. Share this with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram and on Facebook. Follow Overcoming Monday as well. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to our ministry because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. And everything you give allows us to offer this and many more ministry opportunities completely free of charge. Just go to claytonking.com give. We hope that this has been a great experience for you. And we hope we've given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough.